The denomination that we're in is, of course, called the Presbyterian Church in America. And uh, this may not be, um, I need to say this because it may not be clear to everyone. There may be visitors here or there may be someone who are newer to the church and haven't, uh, weren't aware of this yet. But the official teaching of, of the PCA is that the office of elder is, is a male office. And that's not what I'm preaching on today, but I want to say that at the beginning to make sure you understand that so you'll, everything will be set in the context of that. The PCA believes that the, the, that's what the Bible teaches. It's not because they're trying to uh, hold, on, you know, hold on to something or, or keep something. It's because they, in, in studying the Bible and pondering the Bible, they really believe this is, is what the Bible teaches. In the same way that in the Old Testament, priest and elder were male offices, but as we saw this morning, prophets were sometimes women. Deborah was a prophet. Um, uh, the offices were male. We, we believe that the Bible teaches that the office of elder is also a male office. The office of deacon uh, is also official teaching and, and the majority teaching. Uh, uh, and the, it's the official teaching, but it's also been passed by the majority. Um, is also uh, taught that it is a male office. But it is, just to be completely honest, it is much more debated by the pastors and theologians and members of the church than uh, than, than the other one is. Uh, the other one's not debated at all. Um, and you may disagree with that, and, and, that's, and that's okay. You, a member, even a member of this church may disagree with that, and that's okay. But what I, I, I and I don't want to defend that or, or go through that right now. I just wanted to state it because this is the direction I want to go. When I was talking to the different age groups for the past few months and talking to different members of the church following up, I discovered that many women in our church think believe, feel strongly that they are being blocked from, from significant ministry in the church. Um, and they feel that maybe they're not able to, they're not sure what they're able to do and what they're not able to do and, and all those sorts of things. And so I want to address that this morning because that question came up multiple times. And some feel that I'm unable to use the gifts that God has given me to minister at Eastridge Presbyterian Church. And the point of this sermon is this that every single member of this church is invited and welcomed to use the gifts of God that God has given you to minister with us, to minister to us, and to minister for us. Um, I've already stated the official teaching and where that stands, but, the in, but that invitation and that welcome is there. And I think some people think there's, there are barriers or restrictions that, that are not in place. Every member is invited to minister. I'm going to explain this more in, in, in a minute. But uh, every, every single member is invited to do vital and absolutely essential ministry with this church, uh, the fellow members of the church, and for the church, and with the church to the world, and, and all of that. Uh, I want to draw your attention to Romans chapter 16. The reason I want to do that is because Romans 16 is, is fascinating because we get this, with this window, without too many details, we get this window into Paul's relationship with fellow Christians. And we can note that he mentions many of them by name. Now, this, this is the church in Rome, and the church in Rome, he hadn't been there, but many of these Christians had been in other parts of, of the kingdom, and had, other parts of the empire, and had traveled to Rome, and now were operating in Rome. And so he knew them from, or he, either he'd heard, the, heard of them, or he'd met them in other places at other times, and, and you can sort of tell that as you're listening to this. But in this chapter, he mentions so many women um, by name uh, as ministers in the church. And when we use ministers, we don't mean 
we don't mean teaching elder, but we mean minister in the sense that they are doing real ministry, real service in the church and for the church and to the church. They are active in ministry. So let's look at this. Romans chapter 16, verse 1. He's come to the end of his letter, and now he is, um, now he is uh, beginning to, uh, first he mentions the woman who's bringing the letter to them, and then, he, and then he begins to greet the women and men who are in Rome. Verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Sencre. I ask you to receive her in the Lord, uh, in a way worthy of his people, and to give her any help that she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. So the first thing mentioned here is this woman, Phoebe, um, and it says that she's a deacon, and uh, um, that you need to understand one thing about that word is, I'm not coming down, I'm not, I'm not stating an opinion on this, um, I'm completely leaving it open, but... Um, uh, the word that's there when it says she's a deacon has two different meanings in the New Testament. And this is not, this is just the facts. This is just the way it is. Sometimes it's used of the special office of deacon, like we have in our church. And sometimes, and really very often as well, it is used to mean some kind of, that this person has some kind of ministry for the church and in the church, and it's not used of the special office. And I'm not telling you which one it is because I don't know. It would be wrong for me to say I know. I do not know. I honestly do not know which one it is. But what I want you to see is, either way, this woman is using her gifts, and she is ministering in the church, and she is doing valuable, essential, vital ministry in the church, so much so that the person that Paul puts the letter in that person's hands to deliver to the churches in Rome Though no doubt she traveled with other people because a woman, or a man for that matter, would not travel alone such long distances. The person that is, is, his, uh, is his delivery person, the messenger, the one who's bringing the letter and is going to put it into their hands, which means she's going to take it around to the various churches in Rome, read it to them, and try to answer any questions that they have about it. You know, that's, that's, that's what happened when someone brought a letter to you from, from the, one of the apostles or from Paul. Um, is a woman, that, it, and it's Phoebe. This is, the one she, this, is, this is her job. This is what the job she's been given to do. He speaks of her as a, ben, as a benefactor or patron, which is a word, which is sort of a technical word, which meant she was somebody who had given lots of resources and probably, uh, possibly as well, her residence to the church uh, to serve the church that maybe a church met in her home. Um, and uh, and certainly she supported many people, including Paul himself, with her own resources. And, she's, and as I said, she sent with the letter. Look at verse 3. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Uh, by the way, they were mentioned uh, in Acts 18 as well that Jason just read. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful for them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. So they have a, this is the first time a church is mentioned in, in, uh, in this greeting. There's going to be five churches mentioned by the time we get through it. This is the first one. So there's various churches in Rome. There's the church of Rome, but there's various churches in Rome. This is the first one that's mentioned, a church that meets in Priscilla and Aquila's house. Um, in the Bible, and at that time, when you mentioned, um, when you mentioned a husband and wife, that's what these, these two are, um, you mentioned the husband first and then the wife. 
Um, you, even in this chapter, that happens. <laughs> the husband and wife are mentioned, and the husband's mentioned first. For some reason in the Bible, usually when Priscilla and Aquila are mentioned, the wife is mentioned first. And this is why. I have no idea. I don't know. Once again, there's a lot of things I don't know the answer to, but it's worth noting. Why is Priscilla? That's just not the way you do it. That's against convention to put Priscilla first. But she is mentioned first pretty regularly. I don't know what it means, but it means something, right? It means she's a significant minister in the church. Priscilla and Aquila, her husband, are significant ministers in the church. We saw them teaching in Acts chapter 18. You saw that two-on-one teaching. Apollos was teaching. He was doing a good job, but there were some things that he didn't have straight. And uh, Priscilla and Aquila said, come with us and let's go. Uh, it's, it's the wife and the husband, Priscilla and Aquila. Is the, Aquila is the husband. Um, let's go aside and let, we're going to explain some things to you that you don't have down, Apollos. You need help with this. We're going to correct some of your doctrine, some of your teaching, and give you some help. So some ministry happened. Church ministry happened. Two-on-one teaching took place right there. A husband and wife uh, tag-teamed on uh, Apollos and gave him some good teaching. Uh, read on with me. Uh, the middle of verse 5. Greet my dear friend Epinetus. That's a man who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. And now he's in Rome. Uh, but that's, but, but, but he remember, Paul remembers back to that. Greet Mary, who, and, and which of the, all those Marys this is, or if it's another Mary we don't know about. Mary was, was a popular name at this time, uh, and still is a popular name. Uh, greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. A woman was working very hard for fellow Christians, for the church. She was ministering. Was she, do we believe she was a, an elder? No, we don't believe she was an elder. But do we believe she was ministering? Yes, she was ministering. She was part of the church and ministering. And, and Paul uh, brings, her attention, brings, the, uh, brings attention to her and greets her. Greet Adronicus and Junia. That's a husband and wife. Now you see they're in the, in the traditional order, husband first and then wife. Andronic, greet Andronicus and Junia, husband and wife, my fellow Jews, so a lot of these people are Gentiles, but here he says, these are my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. So these people had suffered with Paul. This couple had suffered with Paul, actually been in prison with Paul um, and uh, suffered alongside him. Then he says, uh, they are outstanding among the apostles. We'll get to that phrase in a second. And they were in Christ before I was. Do you know what that phrase means? Paul, you know how Paul uses the phrase in Christ? What does he mean when he says in Christ? Someone who's a Christian, right? Someone who's in union with Christ. So someone who's in Christ, Paul's saying that's a Christian. So he's saying she was a, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, uh, these two, this couple, they were Christians before I was. Um, and so th th their, their Christianity goes back. Now, uh, they are outstanding among the apostles. I don't have time to get into this in big detail, but let me just give you this so that you have something to hold on to. And once again, there's going to be a big I don't know at the end. But still, it's important to hear this. Three things. The word apostles used dip three different ways in the New Testament, okay? Three different ways. First of all, it's used of the 12, right? The 12 are called the apostles. The 12 equal the apostles. The apostles equal the 12. That's, that's the way it's used quite a bit. Obviously, she's not, these, this couple is not one of the, are not the 12, right? The second way it's used is of people who were in some way, uh, who, who, who saw Jesus after his resurrection and received in some way instruction and commissioning from Jesus, sent to do something for Jesus, sent to represent Christ in some way, and, um, 
and received teaching and saw Jesus after his resurrection. That's used of Paul. That's used of, 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 of a few other people as well. So that's the second way it's used. And the third way that it's used is of someone who is sent. The term, the term has a very generic meaning of simply someone who is a messenger or uh, an, an ambassador or someone being sent from, by someone to another, to another group. Um, and so the word can be used that way as well. And so when it says outstanding among the apostles, either of the second two is possible theoretically, because, but we don't know for sure which one it is. Um, uh, because, you know, that second meaning of apostle, the second and third meaning of apostle can be used in, you know, pretty wide ways. And I'm like, I can't get into all the texts, but there's ways that apostle is used of, the, in the second way, it's actually used of quite a few people. Uh, and they're, they're not even named by name. It just, it just speaks of people as these people were apostles and doesn't say anything about them. So definitely not the 12 um, and, and, and not scripture writers and that kind of thing, but nevertheless, um, the, the term is being used in one of the second two ways. Um, and, but, I'm not, but I'm not here to defend one way or the other, but simply to say these couple are ministers in uh, the church. They are ministering, both of them, it's not one is the minister and the other one is, is, is just uh, watching the home, as, as some would like us to, to present it, that one is, is in charge of the kids and the other one is a minister in the church. It ministers in the church. That's not the way it's presented. These are, these are, these are people who, they're, they're ministering. They're all part of the ministry of the church, doing whatever. So we don't know exactly what things they did, but they were involved in service and ministry. Um, and remember the word ministry is... Um, is, is the word for uh, serving in the church, serving the church, and serving with the church. It's doing the work of the church. That's what ministry means, what service means. Okay, let's, let's plow through the rest of this and then bring some application here. Um, greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. I just love this. I know this may seem like a boring place, to, but I love this chapter because he's just greeting all these people, and he makes a little comment about each of them. It's just fantastic to hear Paul, all about all Paul's relationships with these people. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend, Stachus. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Apelles. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. That's another church, by the way. So there's someone named Aristobulus who has a church in his home. That's the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew, another Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Another church. That's, a, that's another church. The household of Narcissus. A church met, meant churches met in homes, people who had larger homes. Narcissus had a larger home, and a church met in his home. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa. And um, it's, we don't know this for sure, but it's possible because of those two names and the way they're linked. Those are both women. It's possible they're twin sisters because they often did this. They had the twin sister names. Um, uh, sort of linked by the way they sounded, so it was like Trifena and Trifosa, uh, and so uh, it was just something that I, maybe our culture does that too. I'm not sure, but uh, their culture did that sometimes, so that's possible. But it doesn't really matter. But it says this: those women, Trifena and Trifosa, who work hard in the Lord, they minister in the church and to the church and through the church. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Um, I'd love to know that story. <laughs> Rufus's mom was like a mother to, to Paul whenever he was uh, near her and, and the church where she was. Where she was. 
uh, she acted as a mother. To, she mothered Paul. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet, and that's another church, by the way. So those five from one particular church are mentioned, and the brothers and sisters who are with them, that means who worship with them, who gather with them, who serve and minister with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, yes, that's a woman, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus and all the Lord's people who are with them. So another church. That's now the fifth church that's been mentioned uh, in, the, in the city of Rome. Um, and I said I was going to go to verse 6, but I'm not going to go to verse 6. I, I, I should have said verse 15 because I'm, I'm just dealing with the, the names there. He just then goes, I mean, verse 16. He just tells them to greet them all with a kiss uh, for him. So here's, I want to repeat what I said at the beginning. And, 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 and I'm linking it to this scripture that gives us this example of these women and men. Certainly not all these people are elders. Not even the men are all elders, most likely. Um, they are, but they are all women and men who are ministering in various ways. We don't know all the details. Doing the work of the church. The work of the church is not the work of the clergy. The work of the church is not the work of, of simply, uh, even a Presbyterian church, the officers. It's, it's the work of all of us. It's the work of all the baptized members of the church. Um, every member is invited to minister, and I want you to be aware of that and understand that. Every member is invited to use the gifts that God has given you to minister, and, and the way you minister and how you get involved will have to do with your gifts. It will have to do with your experience and with your knowledge and with what is, what is open, uh, what kind of possibilities there are in the church and, and different things and, and in your life and in the people that you run into. Um, but everyone is invited to do a significant service with the church and for the church. Now, this is something that not, not everybody understands, and so I want to clarify this. I'm going to use a little bit of technical language here, so I want to make sure, so follow me with it, follow me this if you can. It's, it's, it's pretty simple, but see if you can follow this. We distinguish, in the Presbyterian church, we distinguish between the special office and the general office, okay? The special office is the teaching elder, ruling elder, deacon. That's the special office, and that's just a handful of people. Those are the ones who are nominated and elected by the church. The church chooses them. It's supposed to be that way. The church nominates them, and then the church elects them. So the church makes the choice, but it's just a handful of people. It's not, it's not most of the people in the church, just a handful, and they are the official representatives of the church and the church's teaching, and the church's work. But it doesn't mean they do the work. It means that they are the official representatives, and they are taking the lead on it. It's, it's a, as one theologian said, um, Edmund Clowney said, the difference between the member and, uh, and, and the deacon is only a difference of degree. It's not a difference of kind. We don't, we're, not, we're not Catholics. We don't believe that when someone becomes an officer or a clergy in the church, that they have received some sacramental grace and they're different from other Christians. We don't believe that. We believe that they've been elected by the congregation, elected by the congregation to serve, and it's a difference of degree. They do it maybe more. They have, they, they have, they have, they have to put more time into it, um, and, and there's differences, and, and they have an, more of an official role than the other ones do, but they still are... Um, but, it, but, it, but they're still just Christians like the other people. Um, and they don't, they don't you, when we, let, when we uh, laid hands on Buddy, we didn't 
put something in him, you know, some magic in him or some sacramental grace in him. We put nothing in him. We just prayed for him. We set him apart. The hands putting on him meant that he was now an official representative because he'd been elected by y'all. He was now an official representative of, of the church and the role of deacon. So we distinguish between the, those two offices. But I want to say to every single one of you here who, are, who is a Christian, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ has cleansed you. He has set you apart. He has made you his minister. This is the gospel. You have been saved to minister and serve. You have been saved to minister to the church, to minister with the church to the world. You've been saved to be here worshiping with us, to worship alongside the church. You've been saved to do this. This is what you've been saved to do. And we, we are compelled by the gospel, compelled by our salvation to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. All of us to declare the praises. And that doesn't mean the worship service alone. It means declare the praises with your brothers and sisters when you're strengthening them. This mic is about to wear me out. Someone needs to lay hands on that mic. Um, we compel, we're compelled to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful life, compared to tell others about it. We should not keep silent. We rejoice in the gospel. We exalt in it. We, we're compelled to share the message because of what Christ has done in us and done for us, compelled to share out of compassion for those who are still lost in sin and misery, um, compelled to show the same love that God has shown to us, the same mercy that God has shown to us, the same grace that God has shown in us to show it to others. And I want to say to us, you're not being stifled. You are compelled to minister by the gospel. You are compelled by the grace of God and the work of Jesus Christ to minister, all of you, to respond to the gospel by speaking and acting and doing and ministering. So three things. A teaching elder is one who was elected to the office to be the official representative of the, of the church, okay? But every single member teaches. Every single, what we say when we say we believe in a general office of teaching, we mean every single member teaches. If you think I'm going out on a limb, pick up any reform systematics at random and read it and you'll see it. In there. This is the reform teaching. This is what we believe. Phoebe, Mary, Junia, Priscilla, Tryphena, Tryphosa, Persis, Julia. They were teachers. To different levels. Some of them may have been teaching only in the sense of sharing with a few friends. Some of them may have been teaching um, in, in, in more sophisticated ways. But they were all teachers. We see, this in, we see this reflected in the New Testament. Listen to this. Romans 15, 14. Romans 15, 14. I myself, Paul says, am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves, he's speaking to Christians, okay? You yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. Competent to instruct one another. If you have been instructed, you are now competent to instruct one another. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. And that doesn't mean, with Paul, that doesn't mean just be like, hey, cheer up, buddy. No, it means encourage them with the gospel, right? Encourage them with the truth about Jesus Christ. Encourage one another, speaking to all Christians, and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Ephesians 4, 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, giving them those truths, those biblical truths and those truths that they need, that instruction they need, that it may benefit those who listen. 
Hebrews 10.24, let us consider how we, all Christians, may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. All of us, spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Colossians 3.16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And then he brings in that the songs are a part of this. The actual songs that we sing are a way that we, we have learned and can teach uh, other people through psalms, hymns, spiritual songs um, with gratitude in our hearts, singing to God with gratitude in our hearts. And then lastly, when you come together, 1 Corinthians 14.26, when you come together Each of you, each of you has a hymn maybe to share, has a word of instruction, has a revelation, has a tongue or interpretation. Now, you know that we're Presbyterians and the tongue and interpretation, we don't uh, believe that that's still going on. But um, nevertheless, uh, you see the the nature here that, that Christians are all bringing something. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. So, Second and third, these two I'll do quickly. I'm not going to give verses for all these because I'm running out of time. But a ruling elder is one who is elected to rule, to be the official representatives of the church. But every member rules. What do I mean by that? Every member rules. What do I mean by that? Do you know what ruling actually means? Do you know what the ruling elders, how they rule? They don't rule by telling you what color to paint your house and... um, and uh, getting into all your business and telling you what job to take and all that. How do they rule? They rule by taking the teaching of the church and the teaching of the Bible and applying it to people, to you in the church, and individuals. Coming to you and talking to you and applying the truth of the Bible to your situation and your life and other situations in the church. That's how they rule. They make decisions based on what the Bible teaches for the different situations in the church and for the different people in the church. So so, so you rule as a, as, a, as, a, as a Christian in this sense. Every time, what did Jesus say? When Jesus said someone's sinning in the church, what should happen? The pastor should uh, take them into his office and, and uh, give them a dressing down. Nope. The elder should. Nope. The deacon should. Nope. Anybody should. Any Christian should go to that person who has sinned, if it's a serious enough sin that it needs to be addressed, and should apply the Scriptures to them. Apply this, correct them, show them what's gone wrong in their life. Show them what's going on and correct them. Uh, We all rule in the sense that we're all called to strengthen and encourage and challenge and correct one another. Uh, it's ruling when you take the Scriptures and you encourage someone. It's, 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 it's ruling when you serve other people and you, sh- and, uh, I'm sorry, when you, um, when you uh, apply uh, the Scriptures to situations and you try to, and when you're in a small group and maybe there's not an elder there and you try to speak to a situation that's being discussed and you apply the Scripture to that, you're not ruling in official capacity. You're not speaking for the church. But you're still doing something that's significant and important that needs to be done there. Uh, someone needs to speak, a fellow Christian needs to speak in, bring the word to bear upon this, this situation. Lastly, a deacon is one elected to show mercy, and I hope you know that every single one of you, that, that is not the job of the deacons, right? It is and it isn't. It's their job to lead on it and to be the official representatives of it, but it's all of our jobs to show mercy to the poor and the needy and the suffering, right? All of us are called to that. All of us are called to that. You, you don't leave that to the, you leave that to the deacons. Oh, you're, you, uh, because you, oh, I'm not allowed to do that. 
Oh, no, no, we're all. In fact, we, and we have that going on right now, of course, with the, the faith and finances ministry. Uh, so, women and men who are not officers are doing this work of, of mercy ministry, uh, doing this work of showing me, uh, mercy and, and helping uh, in a very specific context. Um, every member shows mercy to the needy and the suffering. Okay, I have to skip over some of my notes here. There's some good stuff, but it's, it's going to it's gonna have to be bypassed. Um, uh, okay, I do need to say one thing here. Another way that we could organize this, I just did it by the elder, by the teaching elder, and by the way, I'm the only teaching elder in this church, and right now there's active three ruling elders. There's really more like seven or eight, but there's three active, and, um, and there's, there's six active deacons right now, but there's, there's other deacons as well who aren't active. Um, but three other ways to organize. We have, as a church, we have ministry to God, we have ministry to one another, believers, and we have ministry to unbelievers, right? And we all need to be involved in all of that. We all, we're all welcome and invited to be involved in all of that. Uh, ministries to God. We all have part in the public worship. We all are to listen to the Word of God. Um, my job for six days is to listen to the Word of God for six days and then on Sunday morning to to speak, speak the Word of God that I've been listening to and hearing from God um, uh, on Sunday. But we, are all, we, we all have a part in the public worship. We all minister to God in that sense by worshiping, listening to the Word. But we also worship by obedience in daily life. So when you're out there obeying God wherever you are, you're worshiping God. That's worship as well, and that's the ministry of the church. That's another part of the ministry. We, worship, we minister to believers. As I already, I've already done this, but let me just repeat it again. We all teach one another. We all correct one another. We all encourage one another. We serve one another. We show mercy to one another. We help one another. All those things, right? And then lastly, we all have ministry. We're all invited, welcomed to, be, to do ministry to unbelievers. Let's not forget the third category, ministry to unbelievers. We all are called to speak the gospel where it's appropriate, to talk about Jesus to unbelievers to witness by our lives, by our lives of obedience before unbelievers, to, to, to testify to Christ even by the way we're living. And we're all called to show mercy, as I just said a moment ago, uh, to show mercy to unbelievers who are suffering, unbelievers who are needy and, and having various problems and troubles. We're called, we're called to that. Um, let let me give a few examples. These are just examples. Don't anybody hear me as saying that this is, this is it. This is the whole thing. This is just a few samples and examples of this. Things you may not know. Things you may not know. Um, you should be working alongside the deacons. You're invited to work alongside the deacons. Don't think of the deacons as the ministers of mercy and the church who do this exclusively and, you don't, and don't mess with their stuff. It's okay if we only have six deacons. It's okay if we only have three deacons because all of us need to be joining in with the deacon's work and helping them in the work they're doing. That we should be, uh, they're, take, they're the official representatives, they're the, they're, they take the lead, but we should all be supporting them and doing the work that they're doing. Some of you, and I need to speak to men too, some of you are men out there who don't feel for one reason or another that you're qualified or you're called to serve in the official office or you think something uh, disqualifies you or um, there, there could be, or maybe your theological beliefs, you feel like you're disqualified by some of your beliefs that don't match up with the confession or something like that. But be aware that you're still invited and called. You don't have to say, oh, I can't be a deacon in this church because of this or that, or I can't be, 
Well, uh, yes, you can. You, you can serve doing the, the work that deacons do um, without being in the, having the special office. You can still do the work. Um, I already mentioned faith and finances, but faith and finances needs teachers. Uh, Rachel's mentioned this several times. Needs allies. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot that can be done there um, and a lot of help that's needed, ministry, good church ministry that can be done there. Um, some of you have teaching gifts uh, at, at various levels, and, and you should be teaching in, in, in various ways uh, as the opportunity rises up. Um, uh, uh, by the way, just to, just to, uh, when I, when I, when I, when I um, met with the different age groups and I asked you for your advice, for your counsel, what should, what, what should we talk about, what should we do, that was me asking you to minister. <laughs> that was me asking you to do some ministry, and the ministry, the elders can't lead the church on, but only on our own, but we need the advice and the godly wisdom and the counsel and the help of the members of the church, and we sought that from the 20-somethings, the 30-somethings, the 40 and 50-somethings, the 60-plus-somethings, and we, we sought, what, what do you think is, needs to be taught? What do you think needs to happen in this church? What changes? That was, that's the session. That's me, your teaching elder, saying, you tell me. What do you see? What do you understand? What wisdom do you have to partake to us? What do you, and I've learned so much. I, I mean, it was like a whirlwind tour, and, and I got to think, sometimes I was a little bit irritated um, because uh, you guys were saying so much that I was doing wrong. Uh, but that's good. That's good. It can be painful, but it's good, right? It's good to, to hear uh, and be ministered to by members. Uh, and by the way, when the these four people came up here today and made their profession of faith and their promises, guess what happened? They were becoming ministers. They were, they were transitioning into ministry in this church. If we baptize someone, transitioning into ministry in this church. That's when you, when you become a minister in the church is when you uh, become a Christian or become baptized or if it's a new church, when you first join it with the congregation. Um, I don't have time to say all this other stuff. Um, that I, that I had written down. Maybe I'll send it out later. But one thing that, we talk, that we've talked about recently, I'll close with this, is bringing back uh, a lot of committees to the church. Uh, it, so, some of you, uh, maybe uh, from Independent Presbyterian Church, you have lots of committees. Do you have lots of committees? Yeah, what's that? Amen, yeah. We don't hardly have any. And so what we're doing, what we're, I think we're going we're gonna to do, and we haven't, this hasn't all been settled yet, is, but we're seeing committees as not just meetings, but committee as people, a few members, uh, and, and maybe there'd be an officer, maybe there wouldn't be an officer, but a few members doing a certain kind of ministry together and partnering together in a certain ministry and taking the lead on that ministry. Um, and we'd like to see that surface again. We'd like, to, we'd like to bring that back where we see these committees in the church where it's just a few Christians. It could be, it could be three people doing a certain kind of ministry and taking the lead on that. And the elders and deacons, you know, and, and they're not even, they oversee it, but they don't, they're not directly connected and involved in that. You may exa- we already have an outreach committee, which has done fantastic work. Um, uh, but I think we need things like a prayer committee, someone to keep track of, of all the prayer requests in the church and to pray for people and to keep us informed of what's going on. Congregational care committee, um, uh, doing a better job of caring for the sick and the, those struggling in the church. Um, a hospitality committee, someone, a, a group of people, uh, two or three people who are willing to always be aware of our guests and, our, and the people who are visiting the church 
and following up with them and establishing a connection with them. None of that is happening in any kind of official way except as J.R. happens to remember, remember it uh, between uh, two other things he was doing and tries to take a little narrow stab at it, uh, and it's not very good um, because, frankly, this needs to be done by, by, by other ministers in the church. Um, a missions committee, a Christian education committee, a fellowship committee, finance committee, worship committee, on and on and on. Um, I hope that you've heard this invitation this morning. Um, I hope you heard this welcome uh, to ministry. I hope you hear it in the, in the, in the way it's being offered. It's, I'm not scolding you. I'm saying this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He saved you to give you this great privilege, this great, to give you gifts that, that only you can get from Jesus Christ. You have gifts in you that you only could get because you're saved, because you had faith in Christ and you were saved. You have stuff in you that is only there because of Christ, and he, and he uh, can use you in very vital, significant ministry. There's no one pushed to the side to insignificance. Everyone is invited and welcome. Everyone is gifted to do ministry. 